Welcome to the Ask Andy blog post for November 23. Uh, I hope this uh, this blog podcasted for you for ease of listening uh, finds you well um, and that you're back at school after uh, a rewarding and uh, restful uh, half-term break. I know a number of schools I've worked with have had, um, in some cases, um, the week in October, some, some have gone um, on half-term the week beginning the 27th, others on the week beginning the 20th. And in some cases, some lucky people have had two weeks uh, of half term. But wherever you are on that cycle, I hope the second half term has started well and that you are uh, ready for the, the run up to Christmas, which is always busy. Anyway, I'd like to just take you through uh, my latest blog post, which um, has evoked some real interest across the schools I've been working with. And uh, and I, I genuinely believe um, the subject of this blog post has a huge impact on the way that uh, we're able to recruit and retain staff, something that is so important in schools uh, and certainly has been for probably three or four years now. And it's the subject of empathetic leadership. Um, empathetic leadership um, is is something that I guess in many ways those people who practice uh, empathetic leadership do so without really even thinking about it. Um, but I, I guess all of us have worked for a number of head teachers or senior leaders and, and maybe even CEOs um, who who know that the way that these senior leaders lead often creates the weather or the climate in school for the rest of the staff that work in that school. And we will all have worked for leaders who motivate us to do our very best and go above and beyond the call of duty, often making us feel incredible and valued as they do it. But there'll be others for whom this is not the case. In fact, quite the opposite. However, there is now considerable research to show that leadership styles and empathetic leadership styles play a key role in stimulating well-being hormones within our body. And some of these hormones have the ability to reduce levels of cortisol, the stress hormone. So, you know, a conversation around leadership styles that really affect our ability to regulate our, our well-being better at work is something I think any school would be interested to know something about. So let's just have a look at these hormones in the first place. Uh, the, people often call them happiness hormones. Um, and there are three that I'm going to talk about uh, today. Dopamine uh, is a chemical re release from our brain that makes us feel good. And having the right amount of dopamine is important both for your body and for your brain. And you can increase dopamine by getting enough sleep, by taking exercise, listening to music, and spending time in the sun. Something um, I hope plenty of you listening to this podcast, this blogged podcast, have had the opportunity to do over half term. Serotonin plays a key role in such body functions as mood, sleep, digestion, nausea, wound healing, bone health, blood clotting, and the like. And serotonin levels that are too low or too high can cause physical and psychological health problems. Um, now, I also want to uh, 
introduce you to the um, the stress hormone cortisol because cortisol is something that's created through stress um, and we were always intended to have cortisol uh, rushing through our veins when we were attacked by predators um, but what we now know is that stress levels persisting as they do in school for so long across a term um, have significant health impacts, negative health impacts for us. And what we also know is that stress or cortisol levels um, affect and reduce the levels of serotonin and dopamine, those happiness chemicals that we have in our body. And I guess when you think about that, that makes sense. Um, but I'm going to introduce you to, if you've not heard of it, oxytocin. Uh, now, people often call this the love hormone, the cuddle hormone, or even the moral molecule. And this is because oxytocin has been in the headlines gaining a reputation for making people more trusting, generous, uh, and even more in love. And what we know is, and this is the, this is the big, big news, is that research tells us that empathy helps to stimulate the release of oxytocin. The second part of this, which is really good news, is that oxytocin inhibits the production of cortisol. Now, I'm going to go over that again because that's really important. So we know that cortisol reduces the levels of our happiness hormones, dopamine and serotonin. But oxytocin is um, a hormone that empathy helps to stimulate. Okay, so... Empathy stimulating oxytocin and oxytocin helps to dial down the amount of cortisol we have running through our body, the stress hormone. So empathy actually helps us, empathetic leadership helps us to uh, lower stress levels. Now, that's a really big deal because, um, you know, the, the sort of stress levels we have in school, uh, are consistently high, and we have this sort of boom and bust, I guess, roller coaster effect of stress increasing as the term progresses, and then when we get to half term or the end of term, we crash, uh, and, and all the efforts we've put into looking after ourselves uh, or, or, or meeting the the rigors of work, by the time we get to the end of term, they start to take the toll, and quite often we we fall ill. So, in effect, what this research tells us is that empathetic leadership and empathy generally can help to reduce stress levels, which in turn reduces inflammation, reduces our chances of heart disease, digestive problems, reduces the risk of depression, and much, much more. In essence, empathetic leadership can help to reduce absence in school, create a more inclusive school and help hugely with recruitment and retention. I mean, that isn't that isn't rocket science. I think we all know the reputations that some schools have or some heads have in terms of um, this is the way they do things in that school. And if a school has a really strong reputation for empathy and empathetic leadership that's embedded within the culture of the school, then recruiting to that school and retaining staff is going to be so much easier. So let's have a little look about empathy and sympathy because um, I'm, I'm really interested in the, the connection between those two words. 
And quite often the boundaries between those two words and the two concepts are often blurred. So it helps to know exactly what they are. Now, Brené Brown suggests that empathy is a skill that can bring people together and make people feel included, while sympathy creates an uneven power dynamic and lead to more isolation and disconnection. And to know what she means by that, we need to dig a little bit, bit, a bit deeper into empathy and sympathy. Empathy is about acknowledging the feelings of others, listening to them, and not judging what they tell you, and relating to them often from a position of having experienced the same sort of experiences. But that, that's not always necessary. There are some people who are just very naturally good at showing empathy without necessarily having been through some of the things that that the people talking to them have. Sympathy, however, is more concerned with your own thoughts about how someone feels, often passing judgment based on a surface level knowledge. Critically, sympathy is an emotion based on understanding, only really from your own perspective. In essence, unlike empathy, Sympathy doesn't mean you feel like someone else feels. Instead, you often feel pity or sorrow for someone else's feelings. And I guess for us as leaders, whether we're leaders in the classroom or at an organisational level, we've always known that the way that we present, react and respond can have a huge impact on those that we work with. Now, Last week, I was fortunate enough to listen to Adrian Bethune at his uh, conference that he ran in Manchester, and he talked a lot about the power of the tribe. And maybe to do this justice, uh, this might need a separate blog post, but he was very mindful of how we as a teacher, particularly at a primary level, gel as a team. What this means is understanding the need for a central flag of values to gather around, but also to understand each member of the tribe and what their triggers are and what they're dealing with. And and I, it took me back to my year six teaching days when um, I, I I'm, when I taught year six, I tried to align year six around a mantra of it's us against the world, it's us against the sats, um, but we'll do this together. And I, And I think that notion of tribe is is a really strong notion uh, and, and certainly relate to it and and I've seen other teachers that I've worked with develop that tribe mentality as well so if empathy and empathetic leadership can have such a powerful effect on the lives of others in our teams how do we develop it how do we go about propagating empathy now some of us are natural listeners and listen with a view to understanding. Some of us listen with a view to getting ready to respond. And whilst there's a place for both at different times, the former is really key to empathy. And if we're strong on one of those or others, we probably need to do some work in developing our ability to be able to listen to respond or listen uh, with a view to understanding. And it appears to be more difficult to show empathetic leadership when the situation you're listening to is beyond your own life experience. If you tend to listen with a view to contributing to the conversation with a solution or even an answer or even words of comfort that suggest that you relate to the situation, try to resist this. Every situation is different. And, and thinking that maybe some of our experiences are useful because we might have been there before 
is not the way that we necessarily should be listening. We should be listening with a view to trying to understand that person's views and showing that level of empathy rather than trying to sugarcoat how they might be feeling or maybe even creating you know, a silver cloud type mentality to what they're experiencing. Simple psychology suggests that from a listener's position, sympathy is more of an external expression of emotion, whilst empathy is an internal emotional response. And I think that's a really good comparison. In many ways, the saying actions speak louder than words is so apt. Some of the traumatic events we experience in school are better supported empathetically rather than speaking to them sympathetically. People won't often remember what you said, but they'll forever remember how you made them feel. So staying quiet and just listening uh, and trying to empathise rather than showing sympathy is, is a good way forward and helps to create that production of oxytocin that helps to alleviate the situation and make people feel valued. It's this feeling of being supported, understood without judgment and critically valued, which is so important and is often how staff describe truly empathetic leaders. So many teachers I've spoken with value this type of leadership over remuneration and they'll often apply for jobs where they know the leadership is empathetic, even opting for a pay cut or greater travelling time to work in the process. Conversely, I've known many teachers, school leaders and employees outside of the school setting who have left their posts simply because they don't feel supported, listened to, understood, often at great financial cost to them and their families. Simon Sinek says empathy is about valuing the human being, not just their output. And I think that sums things up really, really well. It's about putting the human first in all of this. In essence, if we value output and no empathy for the human beings in our settings, over time, performance will dip and they may well leave for a more empathetic setting. If we show empathy to the human beings in our setting, they'll feel supported, listened to and understood. Stress levels will fall, enabling better performance and output, leading to greater overall personal and professional well-being. At a time when teachers and staff in schools are harder and harder to find and keep, and we can't often compete with more lucrative roles outside the school, empathetic leadership goes a long way to help to keep those staff that you value in school and gives those valued staff the sense that they are valued and understood by those who lead. If you'd like to know more about empathy and empathetic leadership, if you go to the SAS website and you look up uh, this blog post on uh, Ask Andy um, on the Grey tab, then there are a couple of links to some of the work that Brené Brown's done and that Simon Sinek's done. I do hope that you found this interesting and you're interested in maybe doing a little bit more work on this. If you're interested in SAS supporting you with this work, then do get in touch with uh, with myself. Uh, my email address is andy.meller at uk-sas.co.uk.